to the Fun Size Podcast. I am joined today by my Instagram friend, Amanda, who classifies herself as a pizza-loving registered dietitian that specializes in gut health. She created the mind-gut approach, which combines science and strategy to holistically improve your gut health. And I'm so excited to dive into this episode. We've got tons of questions. So without any further ado, Amanda, welcome to the show. Can you first start off by telling us more about yourself, where you're located, how old you are, and anything else you want to tell the audience? Yeah. Okay. So, so funny for everybody that was not like before we hit record, we just realized that we are a plane right away, like a, a 30 minute plane right away from each other. Literally. <laughs> so I'm in California. My name is Amanda. I'm a registered dietitian in California, uh, Southern California, and um, it's beautifully sunny here today. I, uh, a little bit about me. So I am in gut health and Honestly, though, like the whole reason I became a dietitian was strictly because I loved eating and I loved food. And I was like, I will never get tired of talking about food. And uh, that's kind of how I decided to be a dietitian. No joke. Um, and then gut health came along later as I started to realize that so much is involved with the gut. Like, I feel like it all kind of goes back to that. Um, so I've worked with food sensitivities. I've worked with people who have irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and the one sticky point that I feel like, regardless of where you're coming from, one of the hardest things was like the consistency and having to, um, find what works for you because there's no one as, as we all know, right. There's no one cookie cutter way to eat. There's no one cookie cutter way to work out. Um, and so that's kind of how I started to combine mindfulness with gut health is how can I tune back into my gut? listen to what my body needs and find my own rhythm. Do you have a particular story? Like, did you have any issues that came up that was like, okay, like I need to address my gut health. Like, tell us your story. Yeah. Okay. So, um, gut health kind of came when I started noticing that family members had issues like digestive issues and, and but that, that had always kind of been there. And I, um, didn't really think about it too heavily until, yeah, I did start to have some of my own digestive issues, which were also triggered too by some increased anxiety that I was having at the time. So it kind of made it worse than what it would have been. Cause I, it's just a very kind of vicious cycle. Cause definitely there's that strong mind gut connection. Um, so yeah, I started to have some of my own like random weird, not they weren't random, but just like odd things that started to come up with how my gut was feeling. And so that kind of prompted me to learn more about it. And that's when I started to get really interested in food sensitivities, because it was so eye opening to see how individual it is with everyone's tolerance with specific foods. Um, I'm going to get like a little personal, but like not really personal, because I feel like I've told this story before. But um, bell pepper like aren't the bestest of friends uh, so like for example I noticed that if I eat a lot of more like red bell pepper in particular um I get constipated like that's just something that happens to me and uh, which it doesn't tend that's not like oh like you don't think of bell pepper as like a constipating food um but I think it kind of highlights that fact of, again, no cookie cutter way, everyone's body reacts differently to certain foods. And so that's what I really started to learn more about the more I worked with people who had food sensitivities and like irritable bowel issues is that everyone is, is so different. It's so funny you bring up bell pepper because that is one of the foods that I suspect is an issue for me and not like a hardcore. Yeah. Like not like, oh my God, I'm going to die after eating a bell pepper. It's more like I have like this slight little bit of bloating that I'm like, huh, what is that? And so I actually, I don't know if you've heard of Everly well or Mm -hmm. done that test or anything like that, but I just sent mine in. So I'm really excited to get that back and like, learn like what foods might be a trigger and then do the elimination diet kind of process and and play with all that. Um, so I love that you kind of had these, you know, inklings of suspicion and was just like, okay, like I've got to address this and see what's like going on. Um, but so like in your own words, what is gut health? (laughs) 
So that's like a question I feel like, okay, so we hear that word thrown around right. a lot, right? Like gut health, gut health, gut health, what does it mean? So in my words, like my interpretation of gut health is this, it encompasses three areas. I think it encompasses your digestion, which is probably this area we most often think of kind of like if you have like bloating, you know, issues or constipation, like those are digestive concerns. So digestion is definitely a part of it. Uh, the other part of gut health, I think, is the microbiome, which is the area that is absolutely fascinating and also frustrating because there's still a lot of things we do not know. Um, we, like we have inklings, we've seen some research stuff, but, you know, we're still learning quite a bit about, you know, what bacteria is supposed to be living in our gut, how much of that bacteria is supposed to be living in our gut. Um, it's not all good. There is some bad bacteria, but like how much is it before it becomes really bad, you know, so uh, or like the role of uh, the microbiome with your bone health or your heart health or blood sugar regulation. There's just so many areas of the microbiome that's absolutely fascinating that we're learning about. So you have digestion, you have a microbiome. And then the third area of gut health that I don't think it's talked about a lot is honoring your gut feelings and that like inner knowing, that inner wisdom we all have. You know, I would see people, um, and actually had a talk with a psychologist about this on Instagram, how something that I had noticed and that was confirmed as she was talking to me about as a theory is when people are like not speaking their truth, when they're not, you know, um, listening to those gut feelings and they're holding things in, we might physically like literally see them hold things in, like they're getting constipated. Um, or on the opposite end, you know, we might see people like having no boundaries, letting it all hang out, like, you know, just telling everybody everything. And, um, and that can also be the opposite end of the spectrum. And you might have more like that diarrhea proneness. So I really think that gut health, um, excuse me, I think that gut feelings do need to be part of the larger conversation around what is good gut health. I think all of those three things, gut feelings, microbiome, digestion, encompasses gut health. Wow. That is super interesting about like, right. Yeah. Wow. Like it makes so much sense. I know it does. It like intuitively makes sense. And, and there was even one, like I can tell like, like a story, like a personal story about one time I had come home from, I don't know, I like worked for school. I don't remember what I was doing. And it was like a decent day. It wasn't like a particularly stressful day. And I had pulled up, parked on the curb and immediately like felt a pit in my stomach because all of the, I had some like heavier things going on in my life at the time. And I think I was just like reminded of all of those the second I pulled up home. And even though like I talk about this and I know there's that connection, it's weird, right? It's like this like light bulb, like, oh no, this is it just like highlighted the fact of how strong that my gut connection is, even when we're not aware of it is always there. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I love that you bring up like the whole stress side of things. Cause I think that's an overlooked piece of it is like your what's happening in your life can affect your gut, which is just like totally one of those things. But yeah. So how does someone develop poor gut health? Like how, how does it happen? And how do you know that you have poor gut health? So there's two, uh, so I, okay. So how do you know someone has poor gut health? I'll give you some red flags to be like on the lookout for. I think that's helpful. Yes. Give us red flags. <laughs> <laughs> All the red flags. Um, two P's, two P words to watch out for persistence and pain. The more often you're noticing like digestive symptoms, like, okay, for instance, like the bloating um, that you mentioned with like the bell pepper or the constipation of the bell pepper that, that I get you know, if it happens every once in a while or, um, and it, and it like passes quickly. Like if you have a little bloating every once in a while, like not a big deal, but if it's happening like more consistently then it's not, and, or it's also happening with like pain. Like if you're like feeling bloated and it feels painful bloated, or like you're feeling gassy and it feels like trapped and uncomfortable. Um, or if you notice like, oh, I can't, you know, really drive home without having to know where the bathroom is the more it really starts to interfere with your life, the more you definitely want to dig deeper and figure out what's going on. So those are like two red flags to watch out for is that persistence and pain with digestive issues. Because yeah, 
I, I think sometimes we get used to it. So really kind of writing these things down can also be helpful, like a food and mood journal. Um, another red flag to watch out for is, so elimination diets are totally helpful. I think they're really, really helpful, but also remembering that you want to reintroduce, like that is the second part, right? Like the second phase is bringing these foods back in. So a red flag for another red flag for gut health is restriction. The more you're finding your foods getting restricted for whatever reason, you know, whether it's because you think this food is bugging you and it might, it truly might be, um, the more it's going to negatively impact your gut health because your gut lives and thrives off of variety. And so when you restrict, you're, you're going to be decreasing a lot of variety in your diet. Um, I think those are like the three big, big, big red flags to watch out for. I'm like trying to think of some other red flags, um, off the top of my head, but those are the big ones. This is going to sound like a really deep question, but how does someone who let's say they are, they do feel like they have a lot of sensitivities and they are kind of Mm -hmm. restrictive with their foods. How does someone like that get more variety? So that is, if you find yourself restricted um, and you're like, I don't know what to do because I do react to these foods because there are people like that. Like I, I, for, you know, whatever that reaction looks like for them, it, it's definitely real. So like a, like validating your feelings, cause it can also feel isolating um, to, to be, you know, in that position. So knowing that it's real, trusting your body, like, okay, this is my body telling me something. And then the next step would absolutely to be to find um, a, a doctor, be a dietitian to have on your team because there needs to be some further workup, um, you know, like medical wise, like it's a dietitian was amazing and definitely will give you all the food related things that a doctor would never have time for. But there's also things a dietitian can't do that a doctor would want to further evaluate. So I think that would be, you know, a good first step is to enlist people to be on your team to figure this out, like, because that, that isn't a way to live and it's not going to set you up for a great, you know, gut health in the future. Yeah. So what are some symptoms to look out for? Like we've got bloating, we've got constipation. Are there any others that you see are pretty around your clients or patients? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so on the opposite end of the spectrum with constipation, which by the way, it, so constipation, let me define it too, because I think a lot of us think it's like just not pooping. Um, so ideally you want to be pooping like every day, but, but there's a good rule of thumb that I think would be helpful for all the listeners to have in their back pocket. It's the rule of three. So ideally you don't want to go more than three days without pooping. That's like the really kind of loose, good rule of thumb. I personally think like every day you at least want to be pooping. It's like taking out the trash, like literally <laughs> taking out the trash. Like you don't, worry. you don't want that trash to like build up in your body, you know? And it's uncomfortable. Totally. Yeah. Um, it, right. And if you're having a lot of bloating, it's often because people are get constipated and they're not pooping. So not pooping daily, but also even if you're pooping daily, if you're finding yourself straining to poop, even if you have a poop every day, like that's also a form of constipation. So keep that in mind. Like you don't want to be, um, you know, on the toilet for a long period of time because it's, you're really trying to push it out. Like that's not good for your digestive system either, your colon. Um, so that, so the constipation, the bloating. And then the opposite end of like diarrhea. So that rule of three, so no more than three days and then no more ideally than three times in one day. So that would like that uh, more like the frequency increases too much. You don't wanna see that either. So that's another good rule of thumb, Um, no more than three times. And usually if it's more, you'll find that poops are getting like looser. So that's not an ideal situation either. your poop is like always really loose or it's always floating or another sign is if you're finding like undigested food in there, you know, that is not um, something that you, you, you want to see. So those would be some signs. Um, some other digestive signs on the opposite end would be like acid reflux could be another thing. Uh, feeling like there's a rock in your stomach, like even after you're eating and it just feels like it's just sitting there. Um, you know, that could be indicative of something else going on. 
but those are like I think the most popular and big ones to to uh, take a look out for. Yeah. So speaking about poop, why is that so important? Like, what can we learn from our stools and all that? Yeah. So poop tells you like literally so much about what's going on in your body. It is because you can't like look inside like, hey, what's going on? Like, you don't you don't have the (laughs) ability to do that. But what you can do is, I know it sounds weird and odd for many people, but like take a look at what your poop looks like. I think we did that when you, you know, with your parents and you were a baby and they're making sure everything was okay. Like we could, we still want to be doing right. that occasion. That's a good point. Right? Like, I think that's a time in people's lives where we're, we're more um, observant of, of pooping and peeing because we want to make sure that, you know, the baby's getting fed and everything's working appropriately. Um, but yeah, the, looking at like color and consistency can tell you different things. So for example, um, if you're noticing poop, that's like a, a yellowish color that might indicate some like fat malabsorption. If you're noticing poop floating, like all the time, you know, usually could be maybe you're a little bit more gassy and like it's causing the poop to float a little bit, or there's a fat digestion issues causing it to float. Um, and we want to figure out like, are you not digesting fat? Are you not absorbing fat? So, um, you know, th- that's something to take a look at a uh, color, like the green, something usually though, usually if you have a, like a different colored poop, it's because of the food you ate. So that's like step one, like usually it's food. like beets. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I that one always I, freaks me out. I'm like, what? Right? what the- oh, it? okay. I ate beets yesterday. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so please don't freak out. Like if you had beets and you're like, oh my God, I'm bleeding. You're not bleeding, right? It's, <laughs> it's just, it is just a very pigmented food that you had. Um, so yeah, so red or like red or like green, like if you're having a lot of salads, a lot of like green smoothies, you know, chances are it's just kind of um, coloring the poop a little bit, but that can also be like other issues like bile, maybe some bile issue. Um, Red, you ideally don't want to see unless it's like you eat beets or something like that. But if you ever notice like bleeding, like fresh blood in your stool, it could indicate like hemorrhoids, which you don't, usually you don't, because they can be painless and you don't feel them, um, but they can bleed. And so that can indicate something going on in like the lower part of your digestive tract. And then like black poop is not a color you want to see. Um, Some things that can turn your poop black would be like iron supplements. So someone's anemic and they're taking an iron supplement, it's just like a natural, um, totally benign, not a big deal uh, byproduct as it'll turn your poop a little dark, but, or black licorice, um, or Pepto-Bismol, that will also turn your poop a little darker. But if none of those things apply to you uh, and you are noticing like very dark poop, usually indicates that there's some bleeding higher up in the digestive tract and it's turned, that fresh blood is turned uh, black. So it's a definitely, you want to get that checked out because there's some bleeding. So this is why I think poop is so helpful to look at because it can kind of just give you an insight to make sure that everything is functioning um, in the way you want it to. For sure. And I know you have a ton of resources on your Instagram, like infographics and stuff, and you're constantly talking about it. And I love that because it is kind of like taboo and like, oh God, it's so personal, but you just like put it all out there and it's like, Hey, like this is really important. Yeah, it truly is. If we kind of can take away the stigma and like you also are seeing like higher incidences of colorectal cancer now. And so if we can take away that stigma of talking about poop and like going to get colonoscopies when it's time. Like I think it's a good conversation to have. For sure. While we're on this subject, um, I have a couple questions from followers. Um, So one is what is the best form of magnesium for regularity? Like, do you recommend magnesium? Is that? Yeah. So sometimes I will um, recommend some magnesium and oh my God, I'm blanking out on the form as we're like speaking right now. It has totally escaped my mind, but there is one brand um, that I do usually like, because I also like it because it helps with like stress and sleep. So if you're finding like you're also stressed out or, you know, you want a little bit more help with sleep, uh, I like Calm and I have like no affiliation with them, but like, (laughs) but, um, and you can easily find it. uh, So it'll also help you with pooping a little bit. 
Um, but yeah, why am I blanking out on the form as I am looking at you in the face right now? I have no idea. It's I know one is citrate, I believe. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Citrate and glycinate is there the is. other one. Yeah. Right as you said it, it went like ding. <laughs> <laughs> And then also digestive enzymes, like probiotics, prebiotics. What what do you recommend? Does it depend on the person and all that? So let's start. Yeah, let's, that's a good one. Digestive enzymes. Ooh, this is a really good topic and good question because you do see that a lot, like the recommendation to try enzymes. So what are digestive enzymes? All they are doing is helping you chemically break down your food. So we break down food in two ways, mechanically and chemically. So like chewing, that is like you're physically tearing it apart. Um, and then enzymes will take over and break it down on that chemical level. So when you're taking enzymes like that, you are assisting your body with breaking your food down to better able to absorb the nutrients from the food. If you are somebody that notices you feel better taking digestive enzymes, I encourage you to dig deeper as to why you feel better. Because our bodies should be making them in sufficient quantities. So whatever meal you had, your body will adapt and pump out what it needs to pump out for it. Because there's different enzymes for protein, there's different enzymes for fat, and there's different enzymes for carbs. So your body will pump out what it needs to, when, you know, depending on where it is in your digestive tract. But like I was saying, like if you feel better, we want to figure out like, why are you feeling better? Like, is there something going on that you aren't able to make sufficient amount of enzymes? Because you don't need to, nor should you want to be taking like digestive enzymes for the rest of your life, right? Um, we want to figure out like what, what's going on with your body, with your digestive system that you're not making enough. Um, so that's the one that I would definitely recommend you kind of digging deeper with a doctor and dietitian to figure out like what's going on because your body should be doing it like on its own. Um, but for some people, it is like a necessary part of their life to take these enzymes for, for a variety of reasons. And usually there's like some underlying medical um, conditions going on. Uh, so that's enzymes. Probiotics, this is, and prebiotics. So probiotics are live active cultures or live active bacteria that can offer a body some type of health benefits. Prebiotics are a little bit different. This is food for the bacteria. So foods, um, prebiotic foods tend to be a lot of different fiber foods. So eating a wide variety of fiber, but some ones of particular interest are like oats. I feel like oats are really popular. A lot of people love, you know, like grew up with a bowl of oatmeal in the morning. Little did you know, you were feeding your good gut bacteria um, with some prebiotics. So oats would be an example, asparagus, onions, garlic, love them, your gut love them. Um, just side note, a garlic, especially like garlic and onions tend to be gut irritants for some people if they have like irritable bowel syndrome. Um, so just keep keeping that in mind. <laughs> but while we are prebiotic and your gut loves them, sometimes some people's gut like this. And then probiotic, you, you can find either in a supplement form um, or you can find them with fermentation. So like different fermented foods will have live active cultures. So like today I did a reel of a kefir, a kefir smoothie. And so kefir would be a great example of a probiotic food that has live active cultures. That's the, that's the trick when you're looking at a fermented food and you want to make sure that it actually has that bacteria in there, look for live active cultures on that label. So use like yogurts, uh, kefir, uh, sauerkraut, kimchi, those would all be some examples. I love this. I have so many questions now. <laughs> <laughs> I know we just talked about supplements and yes, they are definitely more of like, they're helpful, but they're also putting a bandaid on the situation in a sense sometimes. So we want to get to the root of the, the yeah. issue and, and really dive into it. Um, but so aside from supplements, what are some foods that people can include that are going to improve their gut health. Like, I know you say that everyone is unique and everyone has different friendly foods, yeah. um, but what are some typical ones that you like to recommend? So um, one off the bat that I love to recommend is like soups. 
um, because you can incorporate different broths, whether that be like a veggie broth, which would be a little bit heavier on minerals, or you could do like a bone broth, which would be a little bit heavier on some amino acids. I think both of these can be super supportive and part of a gut healing process. Another reason why I like love soups is because when you cook vegetables, it helps to soften the fibers that can make it easier for people to digest. So if you are somebody that notices that raw, raw vegetables, although I love like raw cauliflower, I think it's so much better than cooked, but not everybody is like that. So um, cooking can help soften those fibers, just making it gentler on the body, which I think can be a great way. Plus it's easy to pack in, like I said, that bone broth or the veggie broth, plus the vegetables. So you're getting fiber, like both of those things, I think are, it's like a really amazing combination. Um, those fermented foods, I tend to recommend to do fermented foods over taking a probiotic. A, for a couple, for, for well, there's like a couple different reasons why I would make that recommendation. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that when you take a probiotic, like a supplement, the strain matters. So depending on what your goal is, like what your intention for taking that probiotic, whether it's like skin health or uh, improved digestion or, um, oh, there's even like probiotics to help with like bacterial vaginosis. Uh, you know, depending on what you're taking it for, the strain is like the important part because that's the thing that's actually going to be doing the work and you want to make sure it's a research strain. Now, if you're taking a probiotic just for like general gut health, I actually would recommend you start with fermented foods first um, because fermented foods will still give you that live active cultures. It'll still give you that bacteria in addition to being just a great source of vitamins and minerals, like fermentation can help provide a lot of different um, increased availability of the different vitamins or nutrients within the food. And we tend, um, we tend to want to like a supplement for everything, which I get because it's easy, but like food first, there's just, there's something so powerful about that. Um, so like eating more fermented foods, I think can be really helpful. Um, what are some of my other like favorite foods I think I'm like in, in soup season Ooh, smoothies I, soups smoothies salads three s's <laughs> three s's soups smoothies and salads I think are like one of the we got two p's the rule of threes and three s's <laughs> I think I think those are like some of my like my favorite things um uh, uh to, to go I'm like trying to like mentally walk this like my sprout supermarket because it's like my favorite one of like what would I pick going down that aisle uh, the other thing even though it's not like a specific food but it is general it is a good rule of thumb for everybody that can apply to everyone is just eating different foods within the different food groups I, we get so stuck. Like I like, like I was saying, like if I'm mentally walking the grocery store, like the shelves, like the shelves right now, we get so used to picking up like the same vegetables, you know, the same fruits, the same proteins, mixing it up. Like don't just eat the same things every time because yes, that's great. You're getting foods from different food groups, but getting different foods, even within the same food group is that other part of increasing variety. Um, because there was that study that looked at like people who have a more diverse gut microbiome are eating about like 30 different plants a day, a day. Oh my God. Not a day. Could you imagine? I was like, whoa. <laughs> Could you imagine how often you'd be pooping if you were to have 30 different plants Oh my God. That's a lot. Right? No, not a day in a week. Oh my gosh. I mean, people are going to be like, what did you do to me? But still 30 different in a week. So 30 different in a week, which sounds kind of still intimidating, not as intimidating yeah. as 30 in a day, but can still sound intimidating. But keep in mind that it's not just fruits and vegetables, like herbs and spices can also be part oh, of it. Okay. Nuts and seeds are still a plant. Like that's also part of it. So if you're to have a breakfast with like going, like having the oats, that's a plant, right? Um, topping it with berries. There you go. Sprinkling in some chia seeds, another one. Like it can, mm. it all adds up. Yes. Okay. Less, way less intimidating. Yeah. Now way less intimidating that. to put it that way. <laughs> Are you hungry for some meals and treats in the perfect petite portions for your fitness goals? 
I got you covered, girl. Download my free fun size recipe library filled with over 36 recipes made for a petite by a petite. Just go to funsize.life slash recipes for free entry to my collection of healthy recipes. What about things like apple cider vinegar? Yeah. Um, and like what kind of seeds and nuts are good for digestion microbiome or microbiome okay yeah yeah so apple cider vinegar that's another one that like seems to be helpful for some and for some it makes absolutely no difference <laughs> so like definitely having See, it, it all depends everyone's weak I know um some people just feel like it does help with you know improving their digestion or or maybe acid reflux uh, depending on kind of what they're taking it for um, so yeah, it could it could be helpful, especially making sure you're take, having the one with the mother, so you can see, you know, all all the stuff kind of floating inside. Um, yeah, you don't want just the regular one because then yeah. you're doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. So don't just like you know grab any random bottle of apple cider vinegar. Get one, you know, with that mother in there. Um, so yeah, that can be part of it. Uh, nuts and seeds. So like for the microbiome, I think variety, but for digestion. Nuts and seeds can sometimes be difficult for people to digest because it has a lot of like insoluble fiber, um, depending on, you know, which nut or seed you're eating or just fiber in general. So sometimes if you find that's true for you, doing a the butter version, so if it's like peanut, peanut butter, um, sunflower, sun butter, uh, almonds, almond butter. So if that's like you're noticing like uh, whole nuts and seeds that are raw don't seem to sit well with you try lowering the amount. So either, you know, not eating as much at one time, because it's super easy to eat a lot of nuts and seeds at once. So you're just kind of mm -hmm. popping it like popcorn. Um, alternatively, you know, eating it in the butter form. So spreading some almond butter on your toast or whatever it happens to be. Uh, soaking and sprouting can also be helpful with increasing digestibility. Um, so soaking them and then discarding that soaking water, because that's where all of the stuff gets inside. Um, so that can also be another uh, technique for people uh, to try with helping. Yeah. So let's say there's someone who is not sure like what foods mm -hmm. are bothering them, um, yeah. but they know that they're feeling some yeah. symptoms. Where do they start? Yeah. Um, I think that's where that journal can come back into play again. So this even... Like even when you go and see the doctor or a dietitian, having that journal can be very enlightening for people and for your providers to give you give them information. So when we keep a journal, it helps to just kind of put some awareness and intention to how we're what we're eating and how we're feeling. So just jotting down like what you had for lunch, dinner, breakfast. Ideally, as you're eating it or like after you eat and, or at the end of the day, like don't wait till yes tomorrow. Don't wait till yesterday. Don't wait till, <laughs> don't wait till you know, the next day uh, to try to remember because that's what the journal for. It's going to do the remembering for you. And you'll be able to pick up patterns. Like you'll start to bring some awareness to how food is in your body. Like, oh, I noticed that when I eat the same breakfast every day, three days in a row, uh, that's when I start to get some digestive symptoms. So is it the food or is it the frequency in which I'm eating it? Because if you do have food sensitivities, if you do find that food is bugging you, it is highly dependent on how often and how much. That is going to be the two biggest variables. And note that chances are you don't need to eliminate the food forever, but you need to find what that tolerance is. And a food journal can really help like shed some light onto what's going on inside your body after eating things um, or after eating things for a period of days, you might notice, oh, that's when I start to feel a little off. It's not some everyday thing. It's like an oh, every three days. Or I notice like if I, like uh, that's kind of how I notice how me and bell pepper, like I have like, depending on how, I guess also depending on how I feel, but um, like one bell pepper is okay. Like definitely not more than one. I'm not going to sit down with like a huge plate of fajitas because although I love, would love it, uh, yeah, that's not going to be uh, so great for me. Or maybe it will and I'll just suffer. Like, 
So, you know, um, that journal can be really, really helpful. Oh, and then that's where I have that template too. So I do have that food and journal template. So if you're not even sure like what to record and how to record, um, you can grab that template and uh, have an idea of, okay, this is what I should do. And also taking account, like you were saying earlier with like stress, sometimes it's not the food, but like how we're eating or, or how stressed we are when we are eating. You know, if I'm really stressed, I'm eating really quickly that's not going to be great. Like chewing is that first step of digestion. And so um, it all really kind of links together. And that's where that journal can come in and kind of help put pieces together for you. Yeah. That resource you have is amazing. I look through it and I'm like, wow, this is like super helpful, very good stuff. But before we tell our listeners where to find that and where to find you, Mm -hmm. how does food affect mood? So many different ways. Um, so we definitely have research looking at how the microbiome is connected to mood. So we are seeing, you know, studies out there with like how the microbiome could be connected to anxiety or depression. Uh, we, and then I think the most obvious way in which food affects, uh, affects your mood is being hangry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> no one likes to be hangry. <laughs> no, I think that's the, that is probably the area the majority of people are going to be more familiar with is realizing like, oh, I waited too long to eat and now I am starving. And then I noticed me personally, I don't know about you, but like I noticed if I wait a really long time, like I get nauseous. And then if I wait even longer, I'm not even hungry anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. There are times where I'm like, if I skip breakfast for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not hungry. And then like the moment I eat, I'm like ravenous. Why did this happen? That's so crazy. And then you're like more prone to overeating, right? You're more prone to eating to that point where you feel uncomfortably full because everything looked and tasted amazing because you waited too long. Mm -hmm. Yep. So on that note, do you recommend eating smaller, more frequent Uh, meals or fewer, bigger meals? Again, right. All depends. But honestly, um, what I find works for more people, most people than not is like three meals and snacks because it tends to be easier for people to, to do than having to do a lot of smaller meals more often. Um, some people that have more digestive concerns, like if uh, more like the bloating or irritable bowel um, or like if they don't have a gallbladder, um, they might notice smaller meals are tolerated better. And, and, and that's like, um, the way to go for them. But generally speaking, I think more people probably it's easier for them to do the three meals. Uh, and there's no significant benefit to do, uh, like a, a smaller set of meals a day. So that would be like my, my thought recommendation, my thought process and my recommendation. Do you have tips for, digesting like bigger meals like let's say Thanksgiving dinner like do you have any tips for that's a good question yeah okay so for like Thanksgiving or like big meals or like a party okay here are my thoughts okay this is what I would do definitely eat before or not like right before but like don't save up your calories for the same reason we just talked about like you're going to over right so don't do that um if you're somebody that has like food sensitivities and you notice certain foods that you know just don't agree with you uh for the the day before or two days before depending on you know how sensitive you might be I would stick with foods you know are going to agree with you so that when you go to the party you're going to be feeling good you're not going to be like oh why did I eat that yesterday and now I have all this food and now you know it's just gonna like kind of bring you down and you're not going to feel great so that would be a good, I think, um, tip for people, especially, you know, like eat things you're familiar with, because chances are when you go to like a Thanksgiving or um, some a big event with food, there's going to be foods that you don't have control over, like you don't know what's in there, someone made it. So I think that can be really helpful. And, or like if you're coming back from vacation and you've been eating a lot of different things, uh, going back to those three S's, those soups, smoothies, and salads <laughs> um, are one of my favorite things to do to kind of help me get back on track. So like there, I recently was gone for a weekend and uh, indulged in a lot of different food that I would never eat um, because I was on vacation. So I was like 
craving like I needed something light and I needed I needed fiber because God only knows I did not get anything on my trip um and I think that's what the soup kind of really helps because it's easier it's gentler it's lighter and you can pack in a lot of stuff in an easier format um and then making sure you also stay hydrated that was my next question in <laughs> <laughs> <had> my mind <laughs> so important making sure you're drinking enough water um especially if you're going to be eating differently just to help your body kind of uh, process okay so let's do like a fire round of okay. questions i have like a list of questions from my followers that just they should be pretty quick answers okay what are some ways to alleviate bloating pooping that tends to be um people feel bloated because they're not pooping Mm -hmm. um so making sure you're pooping on the regular hot uh hot like um oh my gosh a hot bottle like so like yeah. yeah hot compress thank you again words escaping my brain as I'm like I can picture it um you know doing that ginger tea can be really helpful too so maybe ginger or a peppermint tea can um be helpful for bloating or just like general indigestion those would be my tips this one's very similar best tummy reset tips Super smooth solid. I don't know. It kind of depends. Why are you resetting? That would be my question. You know, like what, what's the purpose of the reset? Is it because. Like, yeah. I was a little confused by this question too. Cause I'm like, uh, what do you mean by reset? Yeah. But I would assume like, yeah, like coming back from a vacation or you're feeling bloated or yeah. But I think you just answered that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, the three S's. I also recently did a, a blog post on how to do a G-Cleanse for gut health, which is probably usually a word I would not say. I would not be saying cleanse. This is not like your normal cleanse, but if you find you want like a reset, you need more variety, you want more plants in your life, you can try doing something like that. Um, yeah, and I wrote about like how to actually do that, which also still involves foods. You're not just doing juicing and juice because juice alone is not going to help you cleanse. And I talked about that. Um, that could be like another thing you could do. Cool. I'll link that blog into show notes too. Yeah. Um, best greens powder. I have yet to find one I love. Okay. I have a recommendation here. Okay. Barleen's chocolate silk greens. I've heard of Barleen's, they're fish oil, but I yes. do not know that they have that same company. Okay. They have a green supplement and it is the most amazing flavor in the world. Like mm -hmm. normally greens powders are like chalky, grainy. Yeah. Gross. That's what I was like. I have yet to taste one I like. Barleen's is by far my favorite. I will never have anything else. It, it tastes like sweetened cocoa powder. Like you can literally mix okay. it with water or almond milk and make a hot okay. chocolate and it's phenomenal. Cause I've done that with others and I'm like, Oh. <laughs> they also have a, they have a super yeah. powder which is like a strawberry flavored which is amazing in smoothies so i'll link okay, both of those in the show notes yeah too. yeah and also that i'm gonna be clicking that <laughs> amazon it's the best um what is a good daily routine to improve gut health uh, that is a really good question actually that's going to be some posts i'm going to be coming on instagram with no mm. joke I'm going to be talking about routines. Um, so one routine that I think can be helpful, uh, and it, again, it depends. And that's the thing, like your gut actually really likes routine. So this is why if you notice like when you are traveling or when you start doing things out of the ordinary, you might notice more digestive symptoms because your gut is likes to stick with what it knows. And when you throw something at it, it's like, what's going on? So like, staying consistent as much as you can with with what you're eating like consistently eating the same amount of fiber and gradually increasing if you're somebody like me like I already know I I, I talk about fiber all the time but it's still a struggle for me to consistently get enough and so sometimes I'll be like I'm just gonna eat tons of fiber and then my gut's like chokes on you and like, I feel like really bloated I get really constipated because your gut needs time to acclimate so you can eat too much fiber like that's a thing. Oh yeah, actually, yeah. Too much fiber is a thing, totally. Um, too much fiber is totally a thing. Most people generally aren't falling on that end of the spectrum, but like it can uh, inhibit mineral absorption. You can feel a lot of digestive symptoms from eating too much fiber. You can also feel those similar symptoms if you're eating too much fiber too quickly. 
So like if you're coming back from vacation or coming, if you just like haven't been on your game for a little while and you decide, all right, Monday, I'm just going to eat, you know, tons of tons of fiber. Um, you might also notice very similar like digestive symptoms. So gradually increasing it will help your gut get used to it. So I think that could also be part of that routine is like, how can I stay consistent and how and where are the areas I can improve so I can gradually do it so that my body can get used to it. Um, and also like taking time, whether you're doing like a morning or evening super situation, like giving yourself plenty of time, not feeling like rushed that you have to do this. That's like another thing. <laughs> I'm assuming now that you recommend getting fiber from whole foods and not from supplements. Ideally, I think supplements can be helpful, especially if you know that there's going to be times where it's not enough or you're trying to get used to it um, or you're traveling. Like those would be situations I definitely think that like a supplement can be helpful. Um, or if you're somebody that has a lot of digestive symptoms going on and this is all you can tolerate right now, that would be another situation. Is there like an ideal number of fiber or is that totally unique to everyone? Uh, no, there is a recommendation of, oh gosh. So I know for men's like about 38 grams a day and then women 24 um, uh, grams a day of fiber. Uh, so around that number, like 25-ish will kind of fall in the middle, <laughs> both of them. Um, but yeah, that, that have to, yeah, to look up, but there is an actual number that is recommended. Okay. Um, and then last question, why do I react to cheese, but no other dairy? That's a good question. And so my, one of my first questions would be like, is it hard cheese or soft cheese? So harder cheeses tend to be lower in lactose. Um, but if it's like, and so if it's like a lactose intolerance, you know, I'm thinking maybe you're reacting more to soft cheeses. Uh, or um, that would be like a question or a thought that comes into my head. Um, but also I, I do see people react differently to different forms of dairy for whatever reason. And I'm not, I don't even know if there's an exact reason why this happens, but I do sometimes see people react to, to cheese and not to other things or they react to yogurt, but not milk. Um, I don't have a great reason why other than, yeah, lactose is on my mind. Uh, the type of milk is on my mind. Is it cow, goat? I don't know. And like you said earlier, just like it's new science, really. It's yeah. like there's still so much we don't know. There is. Um, but good for you for like listening to the body and recognizing that it's like the cheese because that's that can be difficult. Yeah. So I guess technically that wasn't our last question because I do have more questions. <laughs> okay. But um, what are like your top three tips that you want people to walk away with from this episode? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, the first one I think would be to eat more variety, like to pick up something different at the grocery store that they've never done before or never don't normally have. I think that would be the first. The first and you one. have tons of recipes too that are like yeah. super helpful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can take a look there, you know, get, get some ideas on how to do, uh, to how, you know, how to make something different that you might not normally have. Uh, the second thing that I think I would recommend is before you eat, especially if you notice that you're more stressed or you're kind of rushing before you take your first bite, uh, to take three deep breaths to kind of shift your body into rest and digest mode because that is going to be extremely powerful for you. So, um, because if you're stressed out, your body will literally shift blood away from the digestive system and you'll, you might feel more indigestion, bloating, whatever. So uh, yeah, take three deep breaths before you're eating or if like you're a fast eater, even if you're not stressed, but you're a fast eater, that will be helpful to kind of like slow you down a little bit. Um, so more variety, the breathing before eating. And then I think the third thing would be to, and this is actually unrelated to digestion or anything, but I think it would be to um, like honor those gut feelings, like start taking more into your gut and how you feel and kind of let that guide you to discover things you might need more in your life. Maybe you need more boundaries. Maybe you don't need more me time. 
um, maybe you need to uh, call a friend and foster those relationships. Um, I, I, I think that can be really powerful for people to, to not forget about that. I love that last one. I think that's, it's so good. So I'd love to send people your way for the food mood journal. So where can people find that and learn more about you and your services and plug away anything that you want to plug? (laughs) Yeah. So grab that journal. I think that's a great place to start. And again, you don't have to keep this journal like every day for the rest of your life. Like that's not reality. Um, This can be really helpful to do like, you know, take five days, take a week. Uh, tune in, see what's going on, see how you're feeling, bring some awareness. Cause sometimes like you, like I said, like you get used to it. Um, so this will help you kind of uh, reawaken what's going on in the body. So you can grab that on my website. So it's amandasaucedacom slash journal, or you can go to my Instagram. It's probably the easiest place to find all, you know, all the things. And so my Instagram is at guthealth.nutritionist. Um, and you'll find in my bio, a link to the journal and a link to some of the different blog posts. And yeah, I think that that's probably the easiest, easiest way to find me. Um, and if you have ideas, you know, shoot them my way. Like I'd love for you to talk about blah, blah, blah. I, I'd be happy to sometimes coming up with ideas is the hardest part. So yeah. <laughs> I, I find that hard to believe because your Instagram is jam packed of so many resources and the cutest little graphics and all of that. So I will definitely link everything in the show notes and go check out her Instagram because it is super helpful, super amazing. It's adorable. It's super cute. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for all of your expertise today. This is amazing. I know I've been asked so many times about gut health and like it's just been amazing for you to kind of like wrap up all the questions that I've had over the past couple of months, I feel like. So thank you again for your expertise. Thank you for your time. And I'm really excited to just keep being Instagram friends and see what more you have to offer the world. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. Go follow Amanda at guthealth.nutritionist and grab all the resources we talked about by using the links in the show notes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot and share it on your stories and tag both Amanda and I. And as I briefly mentioned somewhere in this podcast, I did take a food sensitivity test via Everlywell. They do at-home testing kits and I'll be sharing the results with you in an upcoming podcast. So stay tuned for that. But if you are interested in taking a food sensitivity test or at-home hormone test or anything like that, I put a referral link in the show notes for you to score 15% off. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode. 